For a brief period in my early 20s, I moved to Seoul, South Korea to do what so many foreigners go there to do, teach English. This was in like 2014, 2015, a few years after Psy went viral with his hit song Gangnam Style, but still a few more years before BTS hit the Billboard Hot 100. That's for those of you who mark time via major K-pop events like I do. I taught at a foreign language academy. I worked mainly with adults, so class was often just us sharing stories about our lives, with some grammatical corrections and new vocab words sprinkled in. Usually, people would just tell me about stuff they were watching, stuff they liked. And during one of these sessions, a student of mine spent our entire class period telling me about this one figure skater she was obsessed with, Yuna Kim. She was explaining how talented she was, how she trained hard her whole life, sacrificed so much. And as she's describing the skater, I'm like, yeah, she sounds cool, you know, not really knowing who this athlete was. But still, I wanted to know what all the hype was about. So after class, I looked her up. And let me tell you, the second I saw her skating, I got it. I, too, was all about Yuna Kim. And it wasn't just me. Oh, my goodness. This is glorious. It's one of the greatest Olympic performances I have ever seen. From Gimlet Media, this is Not Past It, a show about the stories we can't quite leave behind. Every episode, we take a moment from that very same week in history and tell you the story of how it shaped our world. I'm Simone Polanin. On February 25th, 2010, 12 years ago this week, Yuna Kim set a new world record in figure skating. And her celebrity in Korea was about so much more than just sports. Before Squid Game, before Parasite, This was an opportunity for the country to occupy a new kind of space in the global consciousness. It's a story of perseverance and hard-won triumph for an athlete and for a nation. We're taking the ice after the break. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The 2022 Winter Olympics in Beijing just wrapped up this week. 
And if you follow the games, you know that figure skating draws some of the biggest crowds and some of the biggest drama. There are triumphs, heartbreaks, controversies, and heroes. For South Korea, Yuna Kim was that hero. She was actually the first competitive figure skater to represent her home country at the Olympics back in 2010, though skating had long been a favorite pastime in South Korea. When the Han River was frozen, I used to skate with my younger siblings. That's Ginny Cha. We taught together when I lived in Seoul. And also, back in the past, when I was a child, there were a few rice fields, even in Seoul. And in the wintertime, those places were frozen. So I also used to skate on the frozen uh, rice field as well. Wow, I didn't know you could skate on, on rice fields. I didn't know that. Yeah, well, actually, but I, I, I think I can do quite many things, you know, more than you think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just meant like anyone. I didn't, I've never heard of skating in rice fields. Ginny's lived in Seoul all her life and absolutely loves watching sports, especially the Olympics. And she remembers distinctly when Yuna Kim burst onto the stage. I think she was like in elementary school, you know, wearing braces. <laughs> and, you know, she quite ambitiously said that, oh, yeah, I want to participate in the Olympics. And uh, I would like to win a gold medal one day. And I was like, OK, you know, there you go, girl. You go and try. In Korea, by the way, she'd be referred to by her family name first, Kim Yana. But she's asked the English-speaking media to call her Yuna Kim. And Yuna, like Ginny, was raised in a family that liked to skate for fun. This is Yuna's mom, Park Mi-hee, explaining Yuna's modest beginnings in a Korean documentary. She says she and her husband loved skating. Even before their daughter started to learn, they all went skating together. And when the working-class family moved to Seoul in 1996, they wanted to keep the tradition alive. So they found a mall that just happened to have an indoor ice rink. And that's where Yuna started taking lessons. Sort of a la Tanya Harding, minus, you know, the kneecapping. Pretty quickly, Yuna fell in love with the sport that mixes the art of dancing with mind-bending athleticism. She even wrote about her skating dreams while she was in the first grade. And within eight months of first hitting the ice, Yuna began training six days a week. She'd skate endless laps on the ice, sometimes 100 in a single session. But the young skater also twirled in empty hallways, perfecting her form off the ice. And by the time she was eight, she started to study the greats. That's Yuna herself. She says every day she watched the women skaters' performances in the 1998 Olympics, the year Tara Lipinski and Michelle Kwan won gold and silver. Yuna says she even memorized the movements from start to finish. From a young age, she was dedicated to her sport and incredibly ambitious. And as she perfected her skills, her biggest competition was herself. With a smile, Yuna explains that her focus is on giving her best, meeting her own high standards, not necessarily beating out others. She just had 
a real sense of who she was and where she wanted to go and what she could accomplish. And that's very inspiring, I think, for South Koreans who do grow up in a really rigid system. That's Jean Lee. She's the former AP bureau chief for the Korean Peninsula. I think it's important to remember that South Korea is still a very young democracy that sees itself as a small country that came out of war in the 1950s, absolutely shattered, absolutely destroyed, really struggled for decades. Around 2 million Koreans were killed in the Korean War and the conflicts leading up to it in the 1940s and 50s. And the peninsula was officially split into North and South. In the decades immediately following, South Korea struggled. It was mainly a region of farmers, and the economy was slow to grow. For decades, the country was ruled by successive military dictatorships that focused on turning the country into the industrial powerhouse we know today. Eventually, the country democratized, and in the late 1980s, they showed off their progress to the world. When South Korea hosted the Olympics in 1988, that to me was a turning point. That was when South Korea was just starting to become a democracy, coming out of years of a military authoritarian rule. A new chapter for South Korea, though one still very much shaped by the nation's long history. Everything's so hierarchical in South Korea. They frown upon having renegades coming out of nowhere. It's like you have to be part of the system. And as far as the Olympics were concerned, Figure skating was not part of that system. Instead, the country threw its weight behind a different sport, short track speed skating. It's very much what it sounds like, a race around a track on the ice, all about time and speed. This makes sense because I think South Koreans always saw themselves as really hard workers, thinking that they didn't have the body or the physique for different types of sports. But some sports, they had the physique and the drive and the ethic to do well at. So when Yuna said she wanted to go to the Olympics and win gold in figure skating, not speed skating, it really was an eye-opening moment. South Koreans saw that they could move beyond their history. We hadn't seen that. Just hadn't seen that before, you know, where you're able to see them break away from the kind of monotony of the training and able to express individuality. She had a clear vision of who she wanted to be. It didn't feel like it was dictated. Eventually, though, Yuna's ambition ran into a problem. There were no world-renowned training programs for figure skating in Korea. Unlike in Russia, Canada, the U.S., and in neighboring Japan, South Korea's biggest rival on the ice and on the political stage. So if she wanted that gold, it was clear. She had to go overseas. She moved to Canada to train, and when Yuna turned 16, she was finally eligible to skate in senior-level competitions on the international circuit. It took her only two matches to place first. She's like a little butterfly on ice, really. Uh, her performance is really smooth, and uh, her movements of like uh, fingers and hands and you know, facial expressions, are, I don't think it's like a sports performance. It's uh, like an art show. Over the next three years, she dominated, winning the top prize at Grand Prix after Grand Prix, one of which she won with a herniated disc. 
Because of anti-doping rules, she was only allowed sports tape for the pain. But now that she was skating on the international stage, and not just in Korea, she wasn't just competing against herself anymore. She was facing a new level of competitor. At that time, her, one of her biggest rivals was Asada Mao, uh, like a Japanese figure skater. For years, the two skaters were basically medal swapping at all the important international competitions. But unlike Yuna, Mao was coming from a country with a well-established figure skating program. They had much more uh, skaters than South Korea. And I'm not sure I could say, you know, if I was envious of them. But honestly, like in sports area, yeah, they were more advanced These competitions were all just leading up to the biggest winter sports event in the world, the 2010 Vancouver Olympic Games. The news said that, okay, she's going to the Olympics. Like for the first time in South Korean history as a figure skater player, and then we were like, whoa, that's huge. So it's February 2010. We're in Vancouver. It's cold as shit. But inside the domed arena, the crowd is red hot. Stuffed in big fluffy jackets, their eyes are at center stage. The sidelines are covered in green and blue Olympic rings. The rink is shining. The silky ice awaits a queen. At the edge, Yuna stretches, takes off her white Olympic windbreaker. She breathes in, she breathes out. The pressure mounting. And not just for herself. An announcer mentions an essay she had written, detailing a new kind of anxiety. It was published last month, and she wrote, My performance falters. Not only people around me, but the whole nation might turn their back on me. That's the pressure she carries. Yuna Kim takes the ice with the weight of her country on her shoulders. After the break... Annyeong, and welcome back, my little butterflies on ice. Before the break, we left Yuna Kim just as she was about to skate at the Olympics and face her rival, Japanese skater Mao Asada. It was like all of Korea was watching, ready to cheer Yuna on, crossing their fingers for a historic win from the 19-year-old athlete, including my teacher friend Ginny. She remembers watching Yuna's performance at work in the teacher's lounge. There were like five or six teachers and we were literally standing, you know, around someone's laptop. <laughs> they watched as Yuna glided onto the ice in her sparkly blue dress, hair slicked back in a tight bun, eyes on the motherfucking prize. And my heart just sort of started beating a little faster. <laughs> just seeing her take the ice. This Yuna so stops in the center of the rink looks up into the black steel ceiling, arms braced like a prima ballerina. The first chord of this classical concerto echoes across the ice, and with that, Yuna locks into performance mode. A head cock, a little smile, then she takes off gliding like it's nothing. Technically, it'll be the first two jumping passes. First one, the triple-triple combination. She goes into this with so much speed. She skates backwards and launches into the air. She jumps and spins and lands, 
jumps and spins and lands again. It's like friction and gravity and force were all just myths your physics teacher told you about. Every time she made a jump, I was so nervous. Triple Lutz into triple toe But she clearly nailed it. She's doing these incredible tricks, and yet she moves with such joy, such ease, such light. And as the music crescendos, she goes into her final moves. She twirls with her leg out behind her, then stretched out in front of her. Then she pulls her skate up above her head and just spins and spins and spins, the crowd roaring louder and louder. Then she hits that final pose, her arms stretched out in a victorious V. Bam. Oh my goodness, this is glorious. It's one of the greatest Olympic performances I have ever seen. Routine absolutely nailed. That's why they call her Queen Yuna. Yuna sits with her coach in the kiss and cry, that area just off to the side of the rink. She wipes away tears, anxiously waiting. Then, finally, the scores come in. The free skating score, please. And in the words of the great Alicia Keys, this girl was on fire. She has earned 150 points. That's, a, that's the best ever. <laughs> 228, 5'6". <laughs> Blast oh, boy. the old record. Okay. It destroyed the old record. I was, I, was, I was literally shouting like, really? Really? Yes. A new world record. South Koreans were going nuts. Yuna walloped all the contenders that skated before her. But the next skater to take the ice was the one Yuna was worried about, Japanese skater Mao Asada. With their long history of hostilities with Japan, any defeat of that country is memorable for the Koreans. For over a century, Japan and South Korea have had an extremely tense relationship. In 1910, Japan annexed South Korea. And for 35 years, they led a brutal occupation. The comfort women and forced labor of that era are still deep scars. So when South Korea defeats someone from Japan in any sport, it's a really big deal. But beating Japan in a sport they'd excelled in, a sport like figure skating, that would be even better. Though for their part, Japan wanted their star, Mao Asada, to win just as badly. She has the same pressure from her own country to live up to expectation. So back in Vancouver, with the crowd still reeling from Yuna's world record performance, Mao takes the ice. She wears a red and black costume, her skirts decorated with feathery bits of fabric, her black gloves trimmed with sparkles. A very black swan aesthetic. She looks ready to dominate. Her first two jumping passes, both triple axles. She made history in the short program. And Mao starts off really strong. One. 
The first woman in Olympic history to land two triple axles in the same competition. Yeah! First woman in history to do three triple axles in a competition ever. Mao kills it. But it's not clear that she's bested Yuna. What is clear is that either Mao or Yuna will be taking home the gold. People hold their breath in the icy arena. And at the end of the event, the announcement everyone is waiting for. Gold medalist and Olympic champion representing Republic of Korea, Yuna Kim! Yuna Kim beat Mao Asada by a whopping 23 points. And everywhere in South Korea, people celebrated. (laughs) Here's former AP bureau chief Jean Lee again. Unbelievable. Wherever you went, you saw people watching it. They would stop whatever they were doing and watch clips of her skating. Yuna's win took over South Korean news. They had the TV on in restaurants. It was it was all over the front pages. It was something that the people of South Korea just, just cherished. The 2010 Olympics solidified Yuna Kim's celebrity status in South Korea. She's since been named a UNICEF Goodwill Ambassador. She spoke at the General Assembly. And in 2018, she had the honorable job of lighting the Olympic cauldron at the Pyeongchang Winter Olympics. Known in this part of the world as Queen Yuna, the 27-year-old has had some proud moments in her career. Surely none prouder than this. And her Olympic legacy is alive and well, even at the Winter Games that just ended. When Yona Kim participated in 2010 Olympics, she was the only figure skater in the Olympics, but for Beijing, we have four now. Yes. And one of them, he recently won the gold medal in four continents figure skating championship. And I was like, see, this is the result of what Yona Kim did. It's safe to say that Yuna Kim is an icon in South Korea. So as a Korean person, also like as a sports fan, she's amazing. I mean, I couldn't find any other words. And I... I I wish I knew all the vocabulary (laughs) to describe how wonderful she's been. You know, now looking back, what do you think Yuna Kim represents for South Korea culturally? That's such an interesting question for you to pose right now. She emerged during this period where they were finally really coming into the first world. She was like a perfect example of somebody that that South Koreans wanted to grasp onto because she saw the potential in herself to compete at the international level and to win, to be the very best in the world. She broke that boundary that psychological boundary of what South Koreans could accomplish. She did it in all the ways that allowed the Koreans to fully embrace her, that was true to her South Korean sense of pride and nationalism. It's tough for me, as an American, to fully relate to that sense of pride. When I watch the Olympics, I have certain athletes I root for, but... I'm not thinking about American representation or whatever. I do feel like I get a glimpse of that pride, though, 
when I watched the Olympics with my family who were born outside of the U.S. I love watching swimming with my dad and seeing the one or two swimmers his home country of Suriname sends to the Olympics every four years. Or, oh my God, watching those long-distance track and field events with my Ethiopian side of the family. That's a party. It's clear the stakes are just different. That shot at the international stage holds so much weight. And a win as big as Yuna Kim's gold medal, it could even inspire a nation to rethink itself, rethink what it's capable of, rethink where it stands in the eyes of the world. And I have just one last thing to say. Long live Queen Yuna. Not Past It is a Spotify original produced by Gimlet and ZSP Media. This episode was produced by Julie Carley. Next week, we're going on a history domino journey to explore how we learn about the past. You know, I look at today's environment and people not necessarily wanting history to be told as it is, because we don't want anybody to feel bad. I'm like, feel bad? There are people who live this. The rest of our team are producers Sarah Craig and Amy Padula. Our associate producer is Ramoy Phillip. Laura Newcomb is our production assistant. The supervising producer is Erica Morrison. Editing by Maura Waltz, Andrea B. Scott, and Zach Stewart-Pontier. Fact-checking by Jane Ackerman. Translation by Hyun Soo Kim. Sound design and mixing by Hansdale Shee. Original music by Sax Kicks Av, Willie Green, Jay Bless, and Bobby Lord. Our theme song is Toko Liana by Coco Co, with music supervision by Liz Fulton, technical direction by Zach Schmidt, show art by Elise Harvin and Talia Rockman. The executive producer at ZSP Media is Zach Stewart Pontier. The executive producer from Gimlet is Abby Ruzika. And hey, Not Past It is doing a live show. We're going to On Air Fest at the end of February. It's a festival that celebrates all things audio. So if you'll be in the New York City area on February 25th, come through. For tickets and more information, visit onairfest.com. And if you want to check out more from former AP Bureau Chief Jean Lee, you can listen to her podcast all about North Korea and the Sony hack. It's called The Lazarus Heist. Special thanks to Hyun Soo Kim, Alex Bay, Karina Lee, Yu Ji Ho, and to Lydia Polgreen, Dan Behar, Emily Wiedemann, Liz Stiles, and Nabil Cholampat. Follow Not Past It to listen for free exclusively on Spotify. Click the little bell next to the follow button to get notifications for new episodes. And while you're there, leave us a five-star rating. You can follow me on Twitter at Simone Polanin. Thanks for hanging. We'll see you next week. When you take North Koreans ice skating, there's nothing robotic because they are just all over the place. They've never put skates on before. They cannot put on a robotic appearance because they're just trying to stay upright.